awkward silence that we don't dare speak. There's a wall between us and a river so deep. We keep pretending that there's nothing wrong. There's a code of silence and it can't go on. Hi folks, I am Alan Watt and this is Cutting Through the Matrix on January the 4th, 2010. For newcomers looking to cuttingthroughthematrix.com website, scroll down, see all the other sites I have up there, bookmark them for future use because when the big sites go down, as they've done in the past, you can always get the latest shows if you have these other sites bookmarked. Now these are the official sites, there's cuttingthroughthematrix.com, cuttingthrough.jenkness.com, cuttingthroughthematrix.net.us.ca There's Alan Watt, cuttingthroughthematrix.ca and there's Alan Watt, sentient, sentinel.eu The last one is a European site, has all the same audios for download but it's got the addition of transcripts of a lot of the talks I've given over the years for download and prints up and you can choose from the various languages of Europe. And as always, I'm starting off the new year, the right foot to, of course, I always tell people uh, the truth, which is right off the bat, that you are the audience that bring me to you. No one sponsors me here. I'm not uh, fronting for any companies that sell that stuff. And the ads you hear on this show are paid directly by the advertisers straight to RBN for their airtime and for broadcasting this particular program. It pays for their bills and their boardmen, their operators, and all the rest of it. So it's up to you to keep me going by buying the books and so on I have for sale at cuttingthroughthematrix.com or donating to me. And you can, do some, you can find out how to do it at the website, cuttingthroughthematrix.com. Personal checks are good from the U.S. to Canada, remember? And you can also get international postal money orders in the U.S. from your post office if you don't want to use the bank. Or you can send cash for your order. You can also donate or buy the books through PayPal. If you want to buy the books, just send me a separate email along with the PayPal order, and I'll get them out to you. Outside the Americas, same thing. Uh, you have the addition of MoneyGram, uh, Western Union, of course, uh, cash or PayPal. It's up to you how you want to do it. And for those that get the discs burned and passed to them, and listen to the talks at meetings and so on, you can get in touch with me at Alan Watt, W-A-T-T, Site 41, Box 4, Estair, which is E-S-T-A-I-R-E, Ontario, Canada. The postal code is P as in Peter, 3, E as in Elizabeth, 4, N as in Nora, 1, P3E4N1. And it's amazing. It's amazing as time goes on. You'd often think that uh, you won't be around in the next year, 10 or 20 years, and these years do roll along, and here we are, 2010, 2010. And at one time when you're small, especially when you're small and, and silly and naive, you kind of look forward to the new year. But now, you, after experiencing all the things that are happening, you know the agenda, you tend, you tend to cringe and say, oh, no, oh, no, roll it back. 
because you know darn well the next year is going to be worse than the last one since there is a big agenda there. Still, we've got to be stalwart and face up to it and face up to the, the awful people with their combinations and monopolies that are all working together to bring in this brave new world scenario through perpetual war. And that's what it is, perpetual war. No one put it better than Professor Carl Quigley, who was the historian for this particular world group, the Council on Foreign Relations. And he said that, um, that basically corporations will bring in a new feudal system, the CEOs being the new feudal overlords. And, and we're really here, private-public partnerships. Back with more after this break. I'm Alan Ward, and this is Cutting Through the Matrix. 2010, I think the U.S. government and the Canadian government and the Mexican government all signed the last part of the agreement to, for total merger. I do, believe this, I do believe this was the last year for it, so that will happen sometime in the summer. And once everything's on the books, they'll implement more and more phases of total integration through catastrophes, of course, like meltdowns, financial terrorism and all this stuff to make it happen and seem kind of plausible to the non-thinkers out there, and that's about 87%. It's interesting that marketers did that study back in World War I, and it's, it's pretty well still the same today. 87% of the public uh, will believe what they're told and go along with anything. Sad, but true, isn't it? That's why they like democracy. See, they, they understood that when they gave us democracy. So it's easy to guide them. Perpetual war. Now, we saw it with the Bush regime, and now it's into the Obama regime. It's the same regime, as far as I'm concerned, with the same people behind the front men uh, going on with the, the same world agenda, perpetual warfare. And we found that from the mentor of uh, Rumsfeld and Cheney and these guys who talked about perpetual war and how it was so necessary to keep the people in obedience, basically. A man who taught at MIT. MIT is a very important place for all of this stuff. For, uh, it's, a, it's not the equivalent of Tavistock, you might say, uh, for the U.S. And Strauss, of course, Leo Strauss was a guy who taught uh, the different uh, Bush regime and this present bunch uh, the perpetual war to get to the end of the agenda you couldn't give the public a breathing space at all and if you notice since 9-11 happened there's been one crisis after another again that ties in with a study done from World War I uh, because they, they realize that most folk can't handle one or two main crises or fear fears within their head at the same time and it's kind of like a computer you get overloaded with a third terror, fear, whatever it happens to be, financial chaos. So you have to make room for one, so you throw one of them out your head to make room for the new one, to make space for it, basically, like, like hard disk space. And that's why they adapt so quickly to each new crisis that comes along. That's all they talk about. They forget they've just got over the last one, or nothing happened. We're run by people who understand this. What I'm saying here is baby language to them, basically. 
methods and science and technique run the world. And they know exactly where they're going and they know exactly how the vast numbers of the populace will accept and adapt to any, anything they're told to adapt to. It's interesting too, I keep thinking of 1984, it was so well done when, when Orwell said when they changed their gun sites from one country to another uh, that the people down below could be so easily convinced they'd always been fighting the new enemy and they'd forget, forget all about the old enemy. And I gave an example of this many times, the same example, when uh, after the inquiry into uh, 9-11 and what happened after it in the Iraqi war, George Bush was on worldwide television saying uh, that um, he never said, he'd never claimed that Saddam Hussein uh, was behind the 9-11 attacks. He's an utter liar, of course, because he had said it when he was drumming up the, the, the war drums for it. But um, a, st a study was done in Canada on the U.S. And remember, the, the first attack to Afghanistan, that's where supposedly the caveman was hiding, that did all of this. And, uh, and then they swung their guns to Iraq. And the Canadian press, uh, the, the, the Canadian uh, studies showed that the U.S. press had, within a few months, convinced the, the majority of the American public that it had always been Iraq that was a problem and not Afghanistan. In fact, Afghanistan was out of their memory that fast, just with re repetition and propaganda from the mainstream. Techniques are used all the time, all the time on the public, and they, they don't know it's even happening to them because, you see, they all adapt to the new stories, the new crisis at the same time. They're all fed the same crisis at the same time. And as I say, they throw out the old crisis because they can't handle too many in their heads at once. This is, this is exactly what Strauss was advocating with perpetual warfare and change. Because then, remember what Quick Quickly said too, you can change so much, you can get more done in five years of warfare than you can in 50 years of peace on a social change level and with adding more and more governmental departments over society. Now, we've all heard this farce of this lone uh, man who was going to blow up the airliner on Christmas Day with his uh, Calvin Klein underwear, whatever he was using. Utter nonsense, of course. The whole thing stinks, as we all know. Anyone who thinks at all knows it stinks completely to high heaven with all the security that's out there. Never mind all the strange surrounding circumstances, but... Remember, they always say, who benefits? Who benefits? Well, immediately, Brown and all the rest of the characters are into, we've got to bring in these full-body scanners. Well, so that's one. Who owns these scanners? Go and check them out. Find out who the owners are. It's fascinating to find that most of this, the, the cameras in Britain and elsewhere and uh, these body scanners are all made by the same companies. We're always lobbying government for more and more sales. But apart from that, it, dehuman, it dehumanizes us. Each time that we, we, we bend over to get prodded, you're being dehumanized. When you hold up your pants but to take the belt off it, you're being dehumanized. You're being taught to be subservient to your master like any slave. And now, of course, they can see you full nude, frontal, back, whatever, and that's another sign of the same thing. How far will they go? 
as far as you can bend before breaking your back. It's up to you, in other words. Now, it's so wonderful when you read the, the systems and techniques that Carl Quigley pointed out in his book, Tragedy and Hope, and the Anglo-American establishment companion to it, uh, showing you that they always use a crisis to their advantage. In fact, they need the crisis to happen, which obviously makes you think, well, obviously they needed this to happen, so did they actually make sure it did happen? And I, I prefer to believe that. I don't believe that in the accidental view of history, these guys would have to win the lotto every month. They, they always get what they want through crisis, always. See, that's impossible by the, law, the laws of averages. It's impossible to always get what you want. From the Raw Story, Raw Story is quite a good website, and I'll put these links up at the end of the show on cuttingsthroughthematrix.com. January the 4th says, the 9-11 Commission chairman says the would-be plane bomber did us a favor. And this is what I'm saying about how they always turn to their advantage. It says, uh, the Republican chairman of the Bush's administration, 9-11 Commission, declared Sunday that the would-be terrorists who tried to blow up a plane en route to Detroit probably did us a favor. The GOP chairman's quote raised eyebrows. By his logic, then, the September 11, 2001 attackers may also have done us a favor by drawing us U.S. attention to extremism in Afghanistan, by using that logic, you see. Thomas Keene, a former governor of New Jersey, made the remarks on CNN's State of the Union Sunday talk show. The one-time governor said Umar Farouk, Admiral Mutalab, the 23-year-old Nigerian who failed to detonate an incendiary device on a passenger plane, probably did us a favor. He says we're in an administration which was not focused as it should be on terrorism, and that's understandable, Keane told CNN. They were focused on health care and global warming and the economy. That's very understandable. Secondly, we weren't really focused on Yemen and the terrible things that are happening there. Terrible things are happening there, Kinyadide. So they weren't really focused on Yemen. Like, they didn't notice it, right? Utter liars, these guys are. Utter, utter liars. But mind you, mind you, you'll see the photograph there, and you'll see something above his head uh, that is his master. That this is the master of this character in the photograph. You look for yourself. And he's not a liar because on the BBC News, uh, they talked about this on the 24th of December, before the bomber was caught, right? It says, the increased violence in Yemen <laughs> is a clear indication that military campaigns to crush al-Qaeda-inspired violence extend far beyond the borders of Afghanistan and Pakistan. It also shows up hostile fault lines within the Middle East, pitting mainly Shia Iran against Sunni Saudi Arabia, who condemn each other for taking sides in Yemen's long-running civil war. Yemen is one of... This is, this is what, what Keane said they missed. They, they didn't notice what was happening here, right? Yemen is one of the poorest countries in the Arab world, with almost half of its 24 million people living below the poverty line, and an authoritarian government has failed to win the, tr the trust of a substantive part of its own population. So they get their, they're building up the reasons for attacking. But it also says here that the, the, the U.S. has already put in $70 million in military aid to Yemen. Uh, the, the one that 
Keen said they hadn't really noticed what was happening there. <laughs> what are liars, eh? <laughs> oh, I love the I love the jokes they gave us in the news. It's just uh, it gets you. It's a good tickle, as they say. It's a good tickle. And it really is. We're going to this incredible farce, this farce, this communistic, worldwide, Sovietized farce that we go through. And it was a farce during the Soviet era if you lived in those countries. Because you had to say that black was white and blue was brown and, and whatever they told you to say, you had to both say it and, and pretend to mean it. You could even write uh, poems without going up in front of Politburo for, for micro-examination to see if you're trying to get a message across to the people covertly. Back with more after this break. Alan Watts, and we're cutting through the matrix. They're really hyping up. They keep telling you that this is not a war on Islam, which is rubbish. Rubbish. You see, there, there are, really are organizations out there uh, that do work with 50-year, 100-year plans, 150-year plans to take down existing structures in order to dominate them. And they did promise to take down existing structures that held society together, no matter what people thought of those structures, be they good or bad. And they certainly demolished Christianity in the West. Credible war against Christianity. But again, it's, it's inevitable because any organized group that has a tiered structure where people give allegiance to humans above them instead of their deity are going to be taken over and led astray, obviously, and used for other purposes, just like the Bush put millions of dollars out to get the, the what they called the fundamental Christians on their side for the war. So that's a problem with any big group. As, as Bernays said, the first thing you do when you want to alter society is you get the phone book and you look for existing societies that are already there to be used. Another after Islam, as I say... And there's no doubt about it. This is to, they're standardizing the world in order to dominate the world. And it is a war on Islam. And unfortunately, like every other target down through history, they've studied their, their, their enemy well. And they know how to get the different groups of Muslims fighting each other. And they never learn. Lawrence of Arabia talked about it so how they used the same tricks back then in his day to split them up and get them fighting so that Britain could come in and take over, which they did. He's a general here on Fox News. Uh, 3rd of January 2010, it says, U.S. general urges strip search of Muslim men. Lieutenant General Thomas McInerney or spoke to Fox News about what he called pending terror attacks on U.S. airliners. The retired U.S. general and member of Iran Policy Committee, these are the guys who obviously are all helping work towards the demolishing Iran, says all 18 to 20 years uh, old Muslims should be stripped, searched at airports as one of these bombers will explode on the airliner in the coming days. In the coming days, mind you. I wonder if it's the same guy that said there was a nuke going to go off in New York Harbor after 9-11, I wonder. 
Thomas McInerney, a retired lieutenant general, terrible spelling in here, letters and everything missing, with the U.S. Air Force told Fox News Television on Saturday that within the next 30 to 120 days, there's a danger of high probability, that's beautiful, there's a danger of high probability awaiting U.S. airliners. If you're an 18 to 20-year-old Muslim man, then you should be strip-searched. And if we don't do that, there's a very high probability we're going to lose an airline, he said. Because I mean, an aircraft. The retired general went on to say that U.S. officials should profile all Muslims. We have to use profiling. Whenever they say something and target a group, you know they mean to spread it across the whole population, as they already did with 9-11. After 9-11, there was gray-haired, blue-eyed old ladies getting stopped immediately at crossings and airliners and stuff. Hardly a target that you'd expect, would you, if coming from a Middle Eastern or Asian nation. He says, we have to use profiling, and I mean very serious and harsh about the profiling, he says. As to such a racial approach would not generate more hatred and violence towards the West, McInerney said he did not want a racial profile. In other words, he just, of course it will, of course it will. But they want this, you see. They want hatred to generate towards the West, because they want to keep this going on as long as they can. You see, if they don't get a backlash from, from people, and young people will, they'll backlash. There's no doubt about it. Uh, if they don't get the backlashes, it's all one-sided. The, the U.S. and Britain and so on are over there, occupying those, their countries. So they've got to get the public to forget they're over there as an invasive, as a, an invasive force and make it seem all one-sided that somehow there's, there's all these aliens attacking you from out there. Forget about the fact you've got armies over near, in their countries occupying them. You say, I want to profile... Uh, that group, and we have had enough evidence from 9-11 and other high-profile cases that we know what we're looking at, he says. The suggestions made by the U.S. retired, city retired general <laughs> comes on the heels of a purported bomb attack on a U.S. transatlantic airliner on Christmas Day by Umar Farouk Abdul Mutalab, a Nigerian who allegedly received al-Qaeda training in Yemen. See how they tie it all in? Oh, how fortunate they could tie it all in when they've just spent $70 million fomenting trouble in Yemen by the U.S. Lawmakers and congressional leaders in the U.S. have echoed similar sentiments about urging President Obama to uh, abandon or suspend his plan to shutter the Guantanamo Bay prison. But half the remaining detainees are from Yemen, and of those, about 40 have been cleared for release, and the rest of them probably will be too. Because we hear that uh, they're just doing mass grabs of people and pulling them in. If you're just in the wrong place at the wrong time, it's just tough luck for you. And as I say, this new Sovietized system, people forget, and most folk have, and they've forgotten what communism was. Towards the end of the Cold War, most folk really didn't know you know what communism was just them with their system that's how it was given to it them with their system and it was bad we were told and that was all we're told and I'll, I'll go on about this when I come back from this break you're listening to the Republic Broadcasting Network because you can handle the truth.
Alan Watt, and this is Cutting Through the Matrix, just mentioning how if you study communism, you realize that they were to take over power by all means and every means possible and to lie and lie and lie to get everything that they wanted done to achieve their goals. In fact, they, they, they had a disdain for the ordinary people because they were so easily talked into anything and led along by the nose. Communism was a, a system run by elitists, not by working people. In fact, none of them involved with the revolution, even the Soviet Union, had probably ever lifted a spade in their life and dug a hole. Even for the, for the people they had assassinated, they had rather folk dig the holes for them. The intelligentsia, the ones behind it, and he believed in Darwinism, and they often put Darwin's uh, portrait alongside that of Lenin, because they believed that Darwinism gave validity to the whole idea of Marxist ideals and communism. But as I say, they taught in all their books and all their lectures to lie, 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 and here we are going through this farcical global warming uh, nonsense as Europe has frozen to a standstill with the lowest temperatures in Britain for 25 years the massive thickening of the Antarctic ice and Antarctic and uh, in Canada here it was literally about minus 40 yesterday or the last two or three days with the wind as well so uh, it's utter farce but lies are okay because it's to take over the world and its resources and to take all your rights and freedoms from you and get you subservient to their system and we see the redistribution of wealth coming through it as well so they, they get what they, they wanted by lying you see and it's hitting different countries in different ways here's an article from Australia after this I'll go to the callers but here's an article from Australia from ABC News that's the Australian Broadcasting Corporation January the 4th 2010 hundreds rally for hunger striking farmer says farmers are calling for a royal commission good luck to them these things last for years and to vegetation laws what's vegetation laws so it says more than 300 people have rallied outside Parliament House in Canberra in support of hunger striking New South Wales farmer Peter Spencer. Mr Spencer spent 43 days without food on top of a tower on his property at Shannon's Flat near Kuma in protest against state laws which stop him from clearing vegetation on his land. Now in the US they're so used to um, having the greenies that are all paid for and given salaries and pension plans by the big foundations going on land and seeing they've got a spotted owl and so on. In fact, they're told to do this, this and, and to lie and lie and lie. And then folk have land they can't use anymore by order of the government. In Australia, they're, they're saying, well, you can't take the weeds out to the farmers because, you see, they're acting as carbon sinks. This is the farce they're using there to, get the, to put the farmers under. Remember, in this brave new world, it's to be the big international corporate farmers only. As Mr. Spencer's daughter, Sarah Spencer, told the rally her father would, would not give up his hunger strike until he meets with Prime Minister Kevin Rudd. He's got a strong resolve. He'll hold true to his word, she said. He's short of energy. He hasn't got as much energy as he normally has and things like that, he said, but he appears to be hanging in there. It goes down and down and down. And it says, um, 
Senator Barnaby Joyce also addressed the crowd calling for a Royal Commission into vegetation laws. He says the state laws have robbed farmers across Australia of their assets. It's true. Here you are, owning all this land. You've got to pay taxes on them, but you can't grow, right? and you can't weed the thing. He said it might have been legally possible, but it was totally unjust, he said. Senator Joyce said Mr. Spencer should cease his hunger strike, but the fight for justice should continue. It's obscene, he said. The government became the thief. Now listen to this, and somebody's actually got it here, which gives me hope. Somebody actually has got it. The government became the thief of an asset. And when the government becomes a thief of an asset, when the individual is divested of an asset without payment, there's a word for that. And unfortunately, without being too dramatic, the word is communism. That's it. That's it. So here's a a senator who actually understands what's happening. Under all the farce of greening and carbon offsets and global warming and yada yada, it's communism. Because what do they do under all this? They take all your property from you. And what did communism do when it took over the Soviet Union? They starved millions of people because they killed off most of the small farmers. They always do that. Did the same thing in the Ukraine. Millions of them starved to death by law. They couldn't even keep enough seed to feed themselves. By law. China did it too. Killed off millions of their own. Starved them to death. By law. If it walks like a duck and quacks like a duck, yep, it's the same darn duck. Doesn't matter what they want to call it, global warming, climate change, carbon footprint, it's the same lying rubbish that they've been using for a hundred years. What did they achieve? Look in there, look at the Communist Manifesto, look at the planks of the Communist Manifesto. They've achieved almost all of them, including the destruction of the family unit, thanks to their big uh, culture creators in Hollywood. Now I'll go to the phones, and there's, there's Lucas in Vancouver. Are you there, Lucas? Hey, Alan. Yes. Uh, sorry if there's reception problems. I'm on a cell phone. Uh, I just wanted to thank you, actually, for bringing attention to the Lenin Mao statue that was mm-hmm. put up in my hometown of Richmond. Yeah. <laughs> it's a suburb of Vancouver. So you're paying for it, eh? <laughs> uh, Sorry? So, so you and your tax money will be paying for it? Yep. Yep. And, uh, you know, there's never, ever been any sort of uh, outlet, public outlet for the arts in Richmond, and it's just it's just funny that this is the first the first art, the first thing that uh, Richmond has to do with art ever, mm-hmm. and you know it's not even Canadian artists, mm-hmm. right? And all, they're going to bring in another statue by the Gow brothers. Uh, this Mao's jacket. Oh really? I don't know where they're going to put that one up. But, but it's disgusting, as I see the them in Toronto too, and they've had them in Toronto for years. I've seen some in the parks there. That, that, that just you just stumble across them. And you say, "What's this doing here?" <laughs> right. 
And the one in Richmond is hidden out of the way. Mm-hmm. Uh, incidentally, it's, all, it's, on the, uh, it's on the same plot of land as the ICBC building, which is the insurance company of British Columbia. Mm-hmm. As, <laughs> there's a little hint for you. Yes. But I also want to let you know that the public reaction was, was pretty good, because I went down there, and, you know, I talked to, like, teenagers, a teenage kid who was uh, working at Tim Hortons, and while I was there taking pictures, uh, a car of, with two older gentlemen stopped. They stopped traffic, just gawking at this thing uh, in disbelief. Yeah. And let me tell you, they weren't happy about it. People, mm-hmm. people don't. People aren't happy about it. But at least, uh, obviously, it means too that some people have an understanding of what it means. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, I was pleasantly surprised. Uh, the young, the young man that I spoke to in Tim Hortons, I was asking for directions, and uh, he told me uh, that he knew he knew it was Lennon, and it scared him. I said, you know, yeah. good boy, because it scares me too. Yes, you're darn right, absolutely right. And what gets me too is that there's, there's hardly a so-called, and I call it so-called, an artist, being being novelist or scriptwriter for CBC or a sculptor that doesn't live on grants from the federal government. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's disgusting. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, well, I'll hand your show back to you, Alan, and thanks for talking to me. And thanks for calling. Okay. And there's Steve in Colorado. There's Steve. Hello, Steve. No, Steve. We'll see if we can get him back later. But as I say, it's just astonishing what's really happening and, and how people don't even know what they're seeing or looking at anymore because they're, they're so brainwashed by the adaptation into ever-increasing modernity of culture, as they tend, they tend to call it. Uh, they can change it every week, in fact, up, up the, uh, the spokes push the envelope until you're into a new era of culture creation and we adapt and adapt and adapt. Here is where they put out um, from America, Southern American um, uh, or Southern Poverty Law Center, one that was, which was labeled a communist group recently, you know, not so long ago. It always was. Always pretending to stand up for some minority. That's what they taught the communists. Always find a minority they can always stand up for to get them on board. And once you've got a thousand groups of minorities, you now have a big, massive group to demand what you want, not what the minorities want. And that's what the Southern, Southern Poverty Law Center was all about, well-funded from the big foundations too. And this article here is from the Telegraph. Armed, America's armed militia on the rise. Extremist patriot groups and other armed militias have undergone a dramatic resurgence in America, their numbers more than doubling in the past year amid growing right-wing fears over expanding federal power and gun control. Now, they release this every year, and this is just a release to the media. It says, um, it says such groups, a mix of libertarians, gun rights advocates, and survivalists appear to be in terminal decline before the election of Barack Obama, according to monitoring bodies, monitoring bodies, they call the communist groups. The Southern Poverty Law Center, which tracks extremist organizations, said it has so far counted more than 300 patriot groups this year 
at least double last year's total of 150. The real total will be much higher as many groups do not go out of their way to publicize their existence. A similar wave of anti-government groups. Anti-government groups, now that's a term that the Soviets used on anyone who complained about any of, of the policies of their government. It's also the same term that the communized economic union parliament is using, anti-government. That must mean that every opposition party is anti-government since they do the most complaining about Hoover is the majority. It's a similar wave of anti-government groups, some of whose members dress in camouflage gear and conduct military training at weekends, sprung up during the Clinton administration. However, Southern Poverty Law Center researchers said there was a new race factor reflecting President Obama's ethnicity and immigration views. Utter rubbish. <laughs> Utter rubbish. But there's an article again in the Telegraph. I'll put that, that link up as well to show you how this guy tears apart this whole farce of a handout. This is a handout to this particular newspaper. It's a he actually tears it apart and shows you how farcical all of this is. How farcical all is. But in the same article here it says, one of the new patriot groups is called Oath Keepers, as members like those of other groups look for guidance from Americans' founding fathers. Formed last spring, Oath Keepers members limited to current or former servicemen and police swear to obey the U.S. Constitution rather than politicians. <gasps> <gasps> Stuart Rhodes, the founder, told the Daily Telegraph that the situation was a potential powder keg. He said the one thing that would probably lead groups to armed resistance is if the government did try to confiscate weapons, but that was what finally led to fighting in the American Revolution. Mike Vanderbilt, a former militia leader and founder of a vociferous gun rights group called the Three Percenters, pointed to a huge increase in sales of ammunition, many of it to new gun owners. This is far larger than Obama. It speaks to an existential fear of societal collapse, he said. He said group members were looking for practical self-defense, whether from predatory government or street-level crime. He said, too, if the government carried out another Waco, the 1993 storming of a cult, a cult to keep on a cult, it was a church, actually, it was one sect of many Christian churches, the Texas ranch in which 76 occupants were burned to death by the government, you'd see a reaction bloody beyond belief, he added. Heidi Bierich, a co-author of the Southern Poverty Law Center's militia research, said the groups were characterized by a lot of conspiracy-mongering, gun-nuttery, and fear of a new world order that they think is controlling the U.S. No kidding. <laughs> I love how they, how they, they call anybody um, who, who still believes in a country, in a nation, a right-wing extremist. That standard communist prattle. Standard communist prattle. And the folk can't recognize it anymore. Why? Because they, they've been trained, they need the media to tell them so. If the media tells them so, they'll suddenly get it. But the media is not there to tell them. The media is there to serve the world state. It's an essential arm of government. Now many people have talked about 
the the effects of Wi-Fi and microwave radiation. There's actually a syndrome now to do with with uh, excessive radiation from cell phone towers and all those really towers across cities or everywhere you look. They've had articles on television in Canada showing you uh, the spiky waves these things give off, incredible bursts of energy to all the passers-by down below. And people have gone through all different means to try and prevent themselves being attacked by it. And I've always said, well, what you really need is a Faraday cage. A Faraday cage works very much like your microwave oven, if you have one. If you, you can see through the, the door and the microwave through these little holes, well, they're spaced at the exact size that will stop that particular frequency of microwave from coming through. So rather than have something that's a complete solid piece of lead or something, you can actually use wire. Hexagonal little shaped wires, just like honeycombs in a bee hive. But here's a great thing here has come out. And so Wall Street Journal, which is culprit in Wi-Fi failures, is chicken wire. Chicken wire, very cheap too. Two things beloved by San Francisco resident Galen uh, Pewter just couldn't get along with without his Edwardian-style house and wireless internet access. In 2008, Pewter tried to replace his old-fashioned cable internet connection with Wi-Fi network that could share up with other tenants in his building but it was impossible due to chicken wire stopped all the signals. Back with more after this break. Hi folks, I'm Alan Watt and we're cutting through the matrix. Just mention that chicken wire there that stops the microwave and the Wi-Fi stuff coming through. And that's uh, from the Wall Street Journal. And I'll put that link up too, and you can read it for yourself. Now, we'll go to the phones again, and there's Sam from Sydney there. Are you there, Sam? Hey, Alan. Happy New Year. The same to you. Yeah. Um, just calling up about uh, the article you were reading out earlier about Peter Palmer, Peter Spencer. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's amazing. Uh, like, the way the Australians... Look, people should actually go and have a look at guy, um, there's a video out on, uh, by uh, an ABC program called The Australian Story on a guy called Peter Andrews. Mm-hmm. This guy, this farmer's been fighting um, the Australian bureaucracy for decades now. Yeah. What he's actually found was a way to rehydrate the land by using, basically by using uh, natural practices. Mm-hmm. Basically by planting uh, native plants. Um, looking how, you know, the, the land contains the water. One of the biggest problems we have in Australia is basically water. Yeah. I mean, the, the land, you know, is the way the, 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 that farming practices are practiced here, mm-hmm. um, the land doesn't contain water and basically the soil just tends to, to dust. Sure. We just had like the biggest sort of dust storm here in the last um, 20 years. Sydney, mm-hmm. um, I don't know if it made it in, in the international press, but basically it looked like it was the end of the world. It was just full of, you know, it, it was just red. Yeah. Just full of red soil. Um, and now it was, you know, claiming that it was due to, to, to global warming, which was absolute rubbish. Mm-hmm. Um, it, 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 it's basically due to the fact that, you know, we have 
worst farming practices enforced by the government. Yeah, yet that's what happens. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So it's amazing. Yeah, they cause the problem. They cause the problem. Then they come down the farmers, and they say, "No, you can't cut your weeds or anything because it's a CO2 sink." Well, it's the same. As I say, it's the same con in Canada and, and the states. So, oh, we found a spotted owl that might be here in your land, and you can't you can't use it from then on by law. You can't use your land. Yeah. 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 So it's the same same oh. trick. But, but thanks for calling. And the Steve from Colorado, there. Are you there, Steve? Yes, hello, Alan. Yes. Okay, uh, I wanted to point out that um, uh, you and I have talked before about uh, your knowing the Olympians, the highest level of the secret society, and that they have uh, just uh, opened uh, Monday in Dubai, the Dubai Towers, yeah. which is a spiral uh, uh, motif building, uh, very much like the uh, Tower of Babel. And uh, I believe it is their new Mount Olympus, and I believe that's going to be the headquarters uh, for uh, anyone that wants to participate and live there at that New World Order Mount Olympus. What are your thoughts? It's very possible. They've actually got three major cities on the go right now with the same structures. Or in fact, not only that, they also Maurice Strong has his own uh, spiraled tower down at the, the Baca Grande Ranch in the U.S. And he's got all the New Agers there and different priests and monk sects and all the rest of it. And, and they do their, their walk up the Helter Skelter. And, of course, that's what Helter Skelter really means in the pop music industry. But, um, but, but sure, they, they, love, they love these, uh, these towers and, and uh, the cycle of reincarnation and lives and all the rest of it that, that supposedly make them superior people. And that's what part of it symbolizes. I hear your music, I, I think, at 2,600 plus feet. In height, yes. I believe uh, that is their new Mount Olympus. Thank you. Thanks for calling. And yeah, they do love their symbology. And in the first book I showed you, the photograph of the, the, one of the oldest spiral ones, and it's in it's in uh, Iraq actually, and they're copying that one across the world. Very old, old ancient religion. And and sure enough, it's the old Babylonian terror concept. From Hamish myself, Ontario, Canada. It's good night. May your God or your gods go with you.